Something is stirring. Maybe you've felt it. We are reckoning with the reality of injustice and binary thinking that feeds the political machine. Humanity is in the midst of a heartbreaking and painful paradigm shift. That is a good thing. My name is Lola Wright, and this is Find Your Fierce and Loving. This podcast is intended to help you disrupt untangle, and free your mind of personal and collective agreements, patterns, and beliefs that are holding you back and weighing you down. We desperately need your fierce and loving purpose now more than ever. Today's episode is a talk I gave Near the end of my time at Bodhi Center, an incredible community in Chicago that really existed for personal transformation, collective awakening, conscious activism, and community building. The talk that you're going to hear today is inspired by Eckhart Tolle's book, Stillness Speaks, an absolute favorite of mine, a timeless invitation into your own awakening. This particular talk is an opportunity to explore our attachment to the way things were or the way we want them to be. The opportunity is to really notice how this now moment is rightly and perfectly designed and how we really can surrender to the gift of this moment in any given moment. Enjoy. I want to um, start with a Toni Morrison quote that we um, cited a couple weeks ago, and I just feel like it really captures the essence of this eight-week journey. It's from the Song of Solomon. She writes, want to fly? You got to give up the shit that weighs you down. That's the wisdom of Toni Morrison. And I think the way that that applies to this particular body of work is that the shit that weighs us down is mental congestion. It is an over-identification with the mind, the thinking mind. And if you remember, we started this journey by exploring stillness and silence. That was week one, stillness and silence. The quality that you can access within one's own being through stillness and silence is like none other. We then went on to talk about the uh, moving beyond the thinking mind, this idea of an over-attachment to our thoughts. And he goes on to say, here's a great spiritual practice for you. Don't take your thoughts too seriously. And that's really like, that is where so much (laughs) suffering comes in. When we really do believe our thoughts, it's like a seduction of our thoughts. I bet all of us could just take a breath and reflect on a thought pattern that showed up today that seduced us, perhaps even within the last five minutes. Mm. You know, you and I are not our thoughts. We have thoughts. When we think we are our thoughts and we take them seriously, we over-identify with them, and then we walk on the planet inside of these constructs. So he says, let us move beyond the thinking mind. And I think the practice through doing that is stillness and silence. He then goes on to talk about the egoic mind. 
your false sense of self. So the question is, and this is a little bit of a precursor to next week, and the uh, next week's chapter is who you really are. So there are all these ideas of who we think we are, and they're located in this dimension of reality. I am a woman. I am, you know, thick. You know, some we prefer, some we don't prefer, right? <laughs> you know, so there are all these ways that we label ourselves. And I think one of the things we actually uniquely talk about here is it's not to dismiss your identity. That's, I th actually think, the great misnomer that oftentimes occurs in these teachings. It's sort of a dismissal of your identity. Like, you are not this body. And it's like, well, no, you actually are this body. You're just not only this body. Mm -hmm. And so if you know your, what is the I am presence? He talks about this in the first couple chapters. The I am presence is your spiritual nature. There is something that breathes you. As we said last week, I don't sit here and go, breathe, damn it, breathe. Like something breathes me. What is that? There's some way that you and I are deeply and profoundly connected. You know, we were talking about this earlier today. It's like something happens and then all of a sudden you see patterns of that. You all of a sudden say, I want that car. And all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. What is that? Mm -hmm. That is this interconnected web of what may be called the universal mind or the universal field of awareness. When we have an over-identification with this dimension of reality, we lose sight of that. So when I'm over-identified with my net worth, when I'm over-identified with my job title, when I'm over-identified with the roles and responsibilities that I have in my job, in my family system, it gets very serious. The topic this week is the now moment, which, you know, probably his most favorite, famous book is The Power of Now. The now moment is essentially the exploration of there is only now. And yet we spend so much time and energy replaying the past mm -hmm. or freaking ourselves out about the future. Like if we actually were in this now moment, we could all take a breath, no matter what baggage we walked in the door with, in this now moment, all is well. In this now moment, all is well. Well, oftentimes, I was sharing this this week with someone, um, you know, I spent a lot of years with a profound experience of struggle, financial struggle, profound experience of financial struggle, experienced many years in this sort of single mom struggling paradigm. I have that in air quotes, yeah? Mm. And it really was who I knew myself to be. And I have very distinct memories of like feeling like, I don't know what we're going to do for dinner tonight. You know, it's like, now it's like, oh my God, if we have turkey tacos one more night. <laughs> but back then it was like, okay, we got two cans of black beans and we have a minced garlic jar. If you make yourself crazy, you can look at that and go, we do not have enough. But for me, the best spiritual practice I cultivated at that point in time was the ability to look at those two cans of black beans and that minced garlic jar and go, we have enough. In this now moment, there is enough. That is an active practice. 
So I would just invite you to check right now and see what may be an area of my life that I am experiencing angst. I am experiencing struggle or suffering. It doesn't have to be like, I don't have more than two cans of black beans. It doesn't have to be that serious. It could be, you know, I have a child that I just chronically worry about. I have a parent that I'm deeply concerned about. I have a nagging health experience that I won't go to the doctor about, but I think about it obsessively. Like, really check and see what is an area of my life that I am perpetuating an experience of suffering around. So he says in this chapter, he says, the division of life into past, present, and future is mind-made and ultimately illusory. Past and future are thought forms, mental abstractions. So we will obsess over our past and our future, always robbing us of this now moment. It's just what the mind does. But when we are not able to watch the mind, we create lots of suffering. So again, take a deep breath. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment and check and see what experience in the past or in the future constantly hooks my attention and becomes some kind of hamster wheel of thought, oftentimes showing up as worry, anxiety, fear, doubt. To be willing to just take a deep breath, And bring yourself into this now moment where all of your needs are met. You're fully supported. When you're ready, go ahead and open your eyes. To have your attention in the now is not a denial of what is needed in your life. It is recognizing what is primary. Then you can deal with what is secondary with great ease. It is not saying, I'm not dealing with things anymore because there's only the now. I have seen many people do that. It does not work out so well for them. I don't recommend that approach. (laughs) It is not saying I am not dealing with things anymore because there is only the now. No, find what is primary first and make the now into your friend, not your enemy. Acknowledge it, honor it. When the now is the foundation and primary focus of your life, then your life unfolds with ease. Like, we could each walk on the planet in a perpetual affirmation of, like, in this now moment, all is well. In this now moment, all is well. In this now moment, all is well. Because what happens neurologically, you, you are able to shift out of a triggered and reactive state. Your, your biochemistry gets amped up when you're not present to the now and you're out in the future or back in the past and you get, you literally, your blood pressure starts to go up and you can feel yourself. You may sweat, you may bite your nails, you might eat, like whatever your thing is, your biochemistry is getting activated. You have the capacity because you are not a machine. You are this extraordinary infinite being that can tap into the universal field of awareness, what a profound idea that you are the individualized manifestation of that which could be called God, life, spirit, the universe. There is not you and some externalized being. There's you. It's 
you. Imagine you created this entire movie that we're sitting in. Every being in this room gathered in service of you. That's pretty powerful. Every being that comes into your experience of life is some kind of holy teacher, even if they are a giant pain in the ass. Those are the best teachers. Because really what they do is they expose all of the ways I'm not trusting in some higher order of existence. He goes on to say, do you treat this moment as if it were an obstacle to be overcome? Do you feel you have a future moment to get to that is most important? Almost everyone lives like this most of the time. Somewhere to go, somewhere to be, something more to be done. And yet the practice is right now is enough. Right now is enough. I wanted to bring us back into really what we opened this series with. The transformation of human consciousness is no longer a luxury, so to speak, available only to a few isolated individuals, but a necessity if humankind is not to destroy itself. At the present time, the dysfunction of the old and the arising of the new are both accelerating. The dysfunction of old consciousness and the arising of new consciousness are both accelerating. Paradoxically, things are getting worse and better at the same time, although the worse is more apparent because it makes so much noise. My sort of favorite entertainment is the surprise upon which we find ourselves in this current American climate. Like, what? That's a very big delusion. There is a part of us that has chosen, opted to be deeply unconscious about what is occurring and what has occurred for a very long period of time. And so it bubbling up to the surface, as I said to Tim today, it's not new, it's just new awareness for some. If that is true, then all of the stuff that's bubbling up in our own experience is in service of something. You and I are in this dimension of reality to have a greater awareness of self. And by the way, that is not the popular choice to make. You know, it is, it, there is a way that numbing out feels much easier. So you're opting into a conversation that's disrupting status quo consciousness. Status quo consciousness says this is the most real thing. That bank account is the most real thing. What your partner did to you, that is the most real thing. But imagine you pressed in to this dimension of reality. You called forward this cast of characters that was divinely orchestrated for your evolution. You know, I oftentimes talk about my dad, who, you know, if you look at face value, arguably a very challenging relationship. You know, sort of a perfect, perfect first 12 years of life. I mean, really, like, if you could have architected a more, uh, like, perfect father, you couldn't. 
He was magical. And then life happened, and it shifted. And who my dad is for me now is my great practice partner in compassion and patience. Because I feel provoked by him on a regular basis. And I can feel really victimized by that. And guess how much that changes? Nada. <laughs> Zippo. Nothing. And so then I can get deeply curious and go, okay, how is this guy here for me? What is, what is being asked to look at, to learn? How is this now moment perfect? On Saturday, my dad was over and he gave my children a lecture on if you ever uh, get to the level of fame of Barbara Streisand, don't use your fame as a political platform. Hmm. And I had sort of an explosive reaction to that, as you might imagine. I essentially said, we are living in a fucking fascist regime. Use that platform and don't tell my kids not to. Now, arguably, it was a bit extreme of a response. You know? At which point I get to breathe and go, wow, what was that? Wow, Lola, what was that? <sighs> now, what's true is I've sat with that. I realized I actually want to have a conversation with my dad about that topic. And I, want to, I actually want to deconstruct what I heard him say and then my reaction to it. Because I am committed to seeing everything in my life as fodder for my own evolution. So when I'm met with resistance, what's the gift? If this now moment is perfect, if that interaction with that destructive force in your life was somehow organized for your soul's evolution, how was it perfect? You and I will get loads of feedback that that's not true. No, someone really did do something to you. <laughs> they really did. Again, it's not to suggest that we have not each had very heartbreaking, painful experiences. Now what? Now what? You want to be more alive. You want to unleash your inherent love and goodness, liberate yourself, and free humanity from the oppressive systems and structures we have created. We are here to support you in finding your fierce and loving life. Join us in our circle. This is an affirming and radical space that will gather weekly, on demand, or live, whatever works best for your life. For more information on how you can engage in our circle, visit lolawright.com forward slash our hyphen circle. I'd love to have you with us. What's stirring in you? What are you noticing when you, when you hear this, when you chew on this? What's coming up? You reminded me when you talked about your conversation with your father, uh, struggles I have when someone says something I disagree with. Yes. And I find my reaction is fight or flight. Yes. That I'm threatened somehow. And I have to discern, why am I, why am I threatened? What, what's going to harm me? 
if someone disagrees with me. And trying to get into a non-dual thinking yes. and accepting both sides is what I struggle with all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I meet a friend or I have a friend that really annoys me a lot, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what is it about that person that I don't like about me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this idea of, you know, I appreciate you talking about this um, dualistic consciousness. And just to provide a little context around what that means, dualistic consciousness is either or thinking. Yeah. You know, good, bad, right, wrong. You know, there's sort of a zero-sum game. And so there has to be some opposition. I know who I am through opposition. The alternative to a dualistic framework, you know, heaven and hell, that's a dualistic framework. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's a wonderful way by which to control humanity. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's really, it's brilliant, quite frankly. You know, if you can scare people into dualistic consciousness, you can have power and control. So the alternative to that is unitive consciousness, the premise of oneness, that there is only one thing happening here. It is the presence of this life that is uniquely expressing in, through, and as each of us. You know, and and the gift of the human experience is in relationship. We get to bump up against each other and see that very thing, the projections, the hurt, ouch, You know, all of that. Michael Beckwith said, we we had Michael Beckwith here February 15th of 2007, and he said one of the most profound things that has stayed with me since, have dominion over your awareness, and you'll have dominion over your destiny. And so this journey of self-awareness is the practice of knowing myself as a creative capacity, a creative channel, something that doesn't see life as oppositional. I was having a conversation with my youngest son's father, and he and I have been in this long-term, ambiguous, very intense relationship for 16 years. He said, you know, years ago I asked you this question, like, what is the shit that you bring to relationship that adversely affects the other person? And every time I've asked you that question, your response is, well, you would be better able to answer that question than I am. Hmm. Because for me, it's like if if what you are experiencing or perceiving is my shit, that sounds like a personal problem. My work is to be aware of whatever you are doing is affecting me. And that's what I need to work on, not what I'm doing, how that's affecting you. Because I can't do anything about that. I can only work on how I'm being triggered by you. And the fact that I'm being triggered by you and the fact that you're being triggered by me means there is something there. There's something there to look at. I am being triggered by you. Okay, what is that? Why am I being triggered by that? Does that make sense? I I mean, I think it's great. And I would say, how could both be of service? You know, like I I actually am deeply interested in how I occur, you know, because I see it as a feedback loop. So it's like if 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 I'm getting consistent feedback 
around how I occur for people, then that's worth me paying attention to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I, I, because th- otherwise I think what can happen is it can occur like always a deflection. Well, that's not mine. That's yours. And I think that there is a lot of truth to that. And like, I want to get deeply curious around how are you experiencing me? Yeah, ultimately that is your responsibility, but how is that good feedback for me? Right. Yesterday I said, you know, with all of the changes going on at Bodhi, like I really want your feedback. Is there something that you're seeing that I'm not seeing? You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, when for you sure. how does does that feel? Yeah, I mean true. For, for sure. I want Feedback. There was something that you said, I think it maybe it was in the last Sunday celebration service or maybe the one before, but you talked about Nathan, you asked him, you know, to give you feedback yes. about yourself. And that it's important to when you're asking for feedback, make sure that you ask the right person. Yes, ask the right people. <laughs> Not all feedback is created right, equal. Right. So that that is certainly my experience with <laughs> He's like not the right person to yeah. ask for feedback. Yeah, so that's about. great. And you know, one of the things that I I said recently, which I love, certainly she did not create it, but Denise Schubert said here years ago, I may have pushed your buttons, but I did not yeah. install them. Yeah. You know? I and it's that. like what a great reminder. I I'm noticing my buttons are pushed. Yeah. yeah, but that one who pushed them didn't put them there. Right. So when you think about the now moment. And your own pattern of angst. Like, can you see how that angst is usually based in the future or in the past? Very rarely is your angst occurring in this now moment. And your angst that's occurring in this now moment is usually like instant. It's not a thought pattern. Mm -hmm. Like, the thinking mind is future and past related. So... Any reaction that's actually happening in the now moment is an automatic response. Like, I'm walking across the street. I didn't see a car. It's about to hit me. And I'm like, yeah, that's very that's living in the now moment as opposed to is there enough? Am I enough? Is there enough? Am I enough? Is there enough? Am I enough? Which, by the way, are the two most predominant thought forms that generate suffering. Is there enough? Am I enough? If you enjoyed this show and would like to receive new episodes as they're published, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. Your review helps others find this show. You can follow me at Lola P. Wright on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and learn more about my work at lolawright.com. This episode was produced by Quinn Rose with theme music from independent music producer Trey Royal. Uh, some of you may know my husband. He's basically Eckhart Tolle's doppelganger. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>